0: Our scripture this morning is from Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. You may follow along in your pew Bible on page 136 of the New Testament. First, let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth and open our hearts and our minds to your limitless love. Speak your word to us and give us the courage to believe it fully and serve you always. Amen. One day as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and had brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I be what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food and set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. This is the word of the God for the people of God.
1: Well, I'm glad that we just heard a word of grace. Because if you strip down this scripture passage to just a series of events, we end up with a slave girl, a fortune teller, a healing born out of annoyance, a beating, an imprisonment, an earthquake, a jailbreak, and a baptism. You might call it a complicated story, one in which very little seems to go right. And yet there is good news, all sorts of good news. For those who know where to find it. Now, make no mistake, there is nothing right about a slave girl, a young woman, a human being held as property. And while his motivations might have been less than perfect, Paul casts the unhealthy spirit from her, setting her free from one piece of what is bound her spirit. It is not a perfect solution, for she is still a slave just a slave without any fortune-telling power, so now she is actually a slave that is worth considerably less to her owners. But don't overlook this. Paul and Silas, they could have chosen to pass through town without any trouble. All they had to do was just leave the girl well enough alone. If they had just let her be to remain in her difficult circumstances, their circumstances would have been considerably less difficult. But she continues to chase after them. She continues to proclaim, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. And I can't help but wonder if part of her purpose was about reminding them who they were. And to whom they are responsible, rather than ratting them out to anyone else. Because ultimately, it's not their theology or their preaching that gets them into trouble. It's economics. It's having cost important men serious amounts of money. But whatever the reason, just remember, Paul and Silas could have slipped through town easily enough. But they chose otherwise, putting the needs of another ahead of their own plans and well-being and safety. And in a world where injustice is complex and multi-layered, Paul and Silas, they don't have the capacity to fix everything. But they do not hesitate to do what they can. For all of this, they are hauled into the center of the marketplace and accused of disturbing the peace by being different. The crowds join in, attacking them, and they are stripped of their clothes and beaten with rods and thrown into prison into the innermost, darkest cell with their feet in shackles. And then around midnight, the text tells us, in the deepest hour, in the loneliest darkness... Paul and Silas pray and sing hymns to God. And the prisoners are listening. My friend Sarah Brower, she says, I would like to think that if I were imprisoned like they were, I would be praying too. But she says, I suspect though that I would be praying like a hot panicked mess. Prayers without any dignity whatsoever. And likely without the ability to carry a single note on a shaky voice. How do you think you would respond? And Sarah's honest confession has led me to wonder, what were they singing? What prayers were they repeating? Were their arms raised towards the heavens or were their heads bowed down in distress? Were they singing the psalms, their oldest and best songs? Were they singing an ancient version of amazing grace, recalling the dangers, toils, and snares through which they'd already come? Or were they pleading, help of the helpless, Lord, abide with me? Or were they singing the Magnificat, reminding themselves and everyone shackled up with them that God's mercy is for generation to generation, that He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly and filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away, and that surely, surely He will come to proclaim release to the captives? What would you be singing? It was about 10 years ago that my friend Frances, she stood on a stage at a girls' boarding school in Ho, a city in Ghana, and she told a room full of young women a bit about her faith. And she told them about her grandmother, who taught her the hymn, "What a Friend we Have in Jesus," teaching her not only the words, but teaching her to sing it whenever she was uncertain or afraid. Do you know the song? Francis asked these girls, and she began to sing in English. And after just a few stanzas, the girls all had smiles on their faces and they began to sing along in Twi, their native language. a beautiful moment when an old hymn united us across continents and cultures and languages. Our time in Ghana overall was a rich one. We learned about the Presbyterian Church of Ghana, and we met with pastors, and we worshipped in sanctuaries of all sorts. We were welcomed as overnight guests in small but proud homes. We toured the country, and we discussed contextual theology with deans and professors at the Presbyterian Seminary in Accra. In the more urban areas, we were fortunate that most of our hosts spoke English, as none of us knew the language or dialect spoken throughout Ghana. Toward the end of the trip, though, we moved into more remote areas, and one of our translators got us settled in a small van, gave directions to the driver, and assured us that even though the driver did not speak English, he would get us where we needed to be in just a few short hours. But what we couldn't have known was that the driver also did not speak TWI, the language of our translator and he had not understood the instructions, so we were driven three hours in the wrong direction, a reality we discovered only after the van had broken down on a remote road. Our driver looked at us apologetically, gestured we thought for us to stay put, and then walked away. And as the hours slipped by, a group of children began to gather around us. Word had gotten out, it seems, and curiosity had gotten the better of them about these strange, helpless white people on the side of the road. We played games with them as long as our energy allowed. And then when that energy had waned, and we were nearly at the end of our rope, Francis began to sing again. And the rest of us sang with her.
2: Earthly troubles and temptations. Is We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer.
1: She was singing mainly for herself, she later admitted. But it did help lift all of our spirits when once again voices in a different language joined a familiar melody. the day began to slip toward evening, and we started wondering if we would be sleeping in our broken-down van. Half a dozen cars then, though, drove down what had been all day an empty street, and they stopped right beside us. And in halting English, a man said, "'We are church members. "'We are Christians, and our children were here with you, "'and they told us that you were singing songs of praise but that you looked like maybe you needed help. Do you? The church members drove us to the nearest town and made arrangements for us to stay in the hotel. The owner is a church member, the man said, and your van will be repaired in the morning. You do not need to worry. Now, we had not been in prison, of course, but we had been held captive by our fear and our uncertainty, our lack of language and knowledge, and our inability to communicate or plan. And sometimes singing and praying really can shake the foundations and set us free. I don't want to lead you astray, though, I don't think that praying hard enough or singing loud enough can get us out of every uncomfortable or unpleasant or unjust situation. There's a difference between thinking that we can be like God and seeing, in retrospect, the way that God has used prayer to help us. Just because we don't get to decide the effect that prayer has in the world, ...does not mean that prayer has no effect in the world. I'm actually captivated by the effect that prayer has on the prisoners in today's scripture reading. Because if you noticed, only Paul and Silas are the ones praying and singing. The text actually goes out of its way to point this out. It says deliberately the others were listening... They were listening, not singing, and not praying. And yet when that earthquake comes, immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains are unfastened. Everyone's. Not just those who prayed the prayers and sang the songs. Everyone's. Almost as if the faith of those two was sufficient for the entire group. I think this points to something crucial, something we keep circling around in different ways these weeks. Faith is rarely, if ever, given in sufficient quantities to individuals. It is given in sufficient quantities to communities. Even when we don't have enough of it on our own there is still enough to go around everyone in that jail is set free prisoners and jailer alike And that detail that detail right there is why I offer this story to you today in response to the question why shandon That detail about faith being given to the community, now that offers a response to why Christian or why Presbyterian, as we've been talking about. But the detail that follows is part of the answer I would offer to the question of all the churches around. Why this one? Why does Shandon Presbyterian Church matter? How does it make a difference in the grand scheme of things. When the jailer wakes up and he sees the prison doors wide open, he is about to end his life. Because he is aware of how much trouble and how much disgrace and dishonor will be brought upon him. But Paul shouts out in time to save him, No, don't hurt yourself, we are all here. You see, the doors of the prison are wide open, and the chains of everyone, they are broken open. And those prisoners have gone nowhere. Because those prisoners have realized something devastatingly essential to life. they realize realized that taking advantage of their open doors would lead to the closing of a door for another. And they simply refuse to let their freedom come at the expense of someone else. That's why Paul yells out, using words that I think we all long to hear at some time or another. Words that were echoed by church members in a remote town in Ghana. Don't worry. We are all here. You are not alone. there is the good news of the gospel and that right there is why for me at least why shandon because this church has never insisted on its own ways at the expense of others well-being this church has always remained open to the possibility of the spirit rattling her foundation not enough to break it down just enough to break us out of any of our habits that might have actually kept others from hearing the good news and knowing it was for them, too. That has always been who you are, who we are. From Fred Pogue and segregation to Rachel Hinderlight and women's ordination to Alcoholics Anonymous and AIDS care teams, from refugee hospitality as long ago as 1975 and as recent as today, from family promise and all the rest. The list goes on and on and on. And if you don't know some of those older stories I just referenced, find someone at lunch who can tell you, because those stories and so many more, they are at the heart of the DNA of this place. So too is the legacy of caring for one another when you need it the most. From 1916 until today, you have called out to anyone and everyone who needed to hear it, don't worry, we are here. You are not alone. Prayer and singing. They can't change everything, they can't fix everything. I wish they could, but what they can do is help us see what's right. They can help us see what's right in any given situation, in any given individual, in any given community. And Shandon, when you have known what's right, you have never hesitated to act. is but one of the many reasons it is a privilege to be your pastor. And it is one of the countless reasons the good news of the gospel is made known in this place and far beyond. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.